Good morning, Cathedral of Faith. Woo! Let's stand on our feet. We are going to worship the Lord. His name is Healer, Counselor, Mighty God. This is our God. So come on, Cathedral. Let's praise Him. Let's worship. Put your hands together. Yeah. Come on, Cathedral.
Man, are you grateful to be in the house of the Lord today? God is good in all the time. We're so grateful that you're here. We believe it's not just an accident. It's not just randomness. We believe there's divine order in you being in this building today. I believe that something's gonna be said, something's gonna be heard, something's gonna be sung, something's gonna be testified, and it's gonna set somebody free today. I believe that with all my heart. This is gonna be an incredible day. I hope you have expectation just rising in your soul right now. And if you do, we wanna just invite you as a sign, an outward sign of an inward posture. Just go ahead and extend your hands heavenward if you feel comfortable to do so. Father God, we just want to pause in this moment, in this celebration, to simply remind ourselves and to state it out loud so that it's not misunderstood that this is all about you. This is your gospel. This is your good news. And this sound that we're hearing today, this is your praise. You deserve this attention. You deserve this energy. You deserve this kind of expression. And so, Father God, we just want to thank you for the grace that embraces us all today. We stand on the perfect and completed work of Jesus Christ today and your faithfulness. And we thank you for the gift of your son. We thank you for the gift of hope. We thank you for the gift of new beginnings. We thank you for the gift of anything is possible. We love you, Lord, and we just want to direct our attention toward you in just a few more moments of worship and honor. We just want to thank you and believe, God, that even as we stand here, God, you are resurrecting dead things in us. You are reimagining our lives and our purpose and our potential. We just want to stand before you and allow your Holy Spirit do what it intends to do in each and every one of us. You are faithful to complete what you have begun in us. And we love you and we shout your praise in the sanctuary. And all of God's people shouted, amen and amen. If you're grateful for the Lord, come on, put your hands together. Somebody shout praise. Somebody shout thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Let's worship. I searched the world, but it couldn't fill me. And man's empty praise treasures that fail are never enough if you know it sing along with me that you came along yeah. and put me back together yes you did God. and every desire is now satisfied here in your love we say it together oh He's the God of 
let's declare something. You turn. You turn morning to dancing. Cathedral Faith, everyone is welcome here. Nobody's perfect. The love is lived out and everything and anything is because we serve an amazing God. And before you're seated, one more time, could we put our hands together? Could we lift our voice and give God a shout of praise that is due a savior, due a champion, due a king? Hallelujah! Hello, Cathedral of Faith. Whether you are on campus or online, we're so glad that you've joined with us today. My name is Lauren, and I am here to let you know some exciting things coming up. First off, if you're new around here, welcome. 
We would love the opportunity to get to know you a little bit better. You can take that card out from the seat back in front of you, fill it out or flip it over and scan the QR code where you can find out more about how you can get involved, stay connected, and discover more about what we do as a church family. Well, believe it or not, in less than two weeks is our Ignite Marriage Conference. We have an incredible lineup of speakers, including Gary Chapman, who is the author of the best-selling book, The Five Love Languages. Whether you're newlyweds or have been married for years, this conference is going to be an unforgettable experience that will transform your relationships. So don't miss this opportunity to strengthen your bonds and to really connect on a deeper level. You can sign up today in the lobby, in the amphitheater, or online. Next week, we begin a brand new series called Explore God. Now, what makes this series really unique is that churches from all across the Bay Area are doing this exact series to explore questions about God, faith, and purpose. We're coming together as a city to look at these questions in an open and authentic way. Make sure to bring your friends, family, coworkers. It'll be a great series to look at these questions together. For all that and more that's happening here at the church, you can follow us on social media, check out the website, or download our Cathedral of Faith app. Have a great weekend. Well, good morning, Cathedral of Faith. Isn't it a beautiful day to be in the house of the Lord? Amen? We're so glad you're here. And I just want, I got to meet a lovely couple that's visiting all the way from Holland, Stefan and Kim. It's great to have you all the way from Holland. It's great to have everyone here today. Our prayers before you leave today, you'll know how much God really loves you. Well, a lot of exciting things happening here at Cathedral of Faith to help you grow. Yesterday was an amazing day as we hosted the Life Surge event. You know, Tim Tebow was here, Nick Vujacek was here, the founder of Auntie Anne's Pretzels was here, leaders in industry were here to help us equip us with the power of God's word and the latest strategies so you can be a blessing to your family and even greater to make a kingdom impact. And it was an amazing day. This place was packed out but it doesn't happen by accident. I just wanna highlight some of the folks. We have the most amazing team here at Cathedral Faith, the most amazing servant leaders. Pastor Irene headed this whole thing up. Give it up for Pastor Irene. Aaron Scott, our facilities team. Pastor Rick, our tech team. Pastor Shelley's not here, but all of our frontline team, all the folks that came out and volunteered and served. It was truly an amazing, amazing day here at Cathedral. Well, at the heart of Cathedral Faith, I say, is our Reaching Out Food Ministry, which started back in 1981. We started serving groceries right out of an usher's closet, and it's, be, it's grown and grown through the decades. Well, not too long ago, a group called Viewpoint discovered what we were doing, and they wanted to highlight and feature us what God was up to here at Cathedral of Faith. So they produced a 30 a 60-second commercial. It's going to be emailed to over a million people in the Bay Area. Tonight, it starts debuting the commercial on TV channels uh, throughout the Bay Area. But I thought I'd like to show you the video right here, our commer commercial from Viewpoint. To address the immense need in a city of this size, we need partners. And there's been no greater partner than Cathedral of Faith and the Reaching Out Center. What they have been able to do, providing more than 3,000 people every week 
with food and necessities has been absolutely critical. It's amazing how they feed people here. It's so efficient and you can take a disabled person, a special needs person, or anybody, it doesn't matter, we'll get the job done because we have one common mission, is to make sure that no family gets left behind. And we don't just do food, but we have basic necessities. As we get into simple things like diapers or wipes, we help them out wherever we can. It is such a positive impact in this community, and it's escalating. Hunger is a solvable problem, but it really does take everybody coming together to make it happen. All of us working together can really help meet the needs. We'll be posting that on our Instagram and Facebook tomorrow, so be sure to share that out with your friends and family. And also, Viewpoint, they have a five-minute show on public television stations around the nation, and they're taking the five-minute segment. It's produced with the actor Dennis Quaid that highlights what God is doing through our Reaching Out Food Ministry. It's gonna be airing on over 170 stations across the nation later this month and all through next year. So can we give God praise for what he's doing and getting the good news? You know, God has a heart for the poor. One of the scriptures is when you lend, when you give to the poor, it, God says it's like loaning him money and he promises he will repay you and bless you. If you wanna know why this church is blessed, it's because we have a heart for the poor, that each of you help give to help us provide groceries every week for thousands of families in our community. And if you need, you may not know this, if you have need in your family, or if you know someone that's struggling right now, our Reaching Out Food Center, there's Bishop right there, our director, it's open Wednesdays and Thursdays from 9 a.m. to 12 noon. You just show up and we're gonna bless you with hundreds of dollars worth of groceries. So thank you, Cathedral of Faith, for your faithfulness and your generosity and your giving. We cannot do what God has called us to do, not only in the Bay Area, but around the world. Easy ways to give. You can give through the app, of course, or give online at our website, or you can give uh, on your way out with one of the ushers. But thank you, thank you, thank you for all that you do to help us be a blessing. Amen. Big bro. And what an exciting day. Yeah. Thank you, Kurt. Hey, Cathedral. It's great to see everybody. God is good. And all the time. Thanks so much for being here, whether you're inside the building, outside the building, in the amphitheater, the drive-in, or those who are watching online. What a very special weekend this is. Uh, the Bible talks about always being ready to tell others about the night and day difference that Jesus has made in your life. And today we're going to hear one of those amazing stories. We have with us one of the leading heavy metal guitar players of all time. He's the founding member of uh, the Grammy Award winning multi-platinum band Korn. And just to give you a feel for how Brian Welch can rock. Let's watch this video.
Brian Welch. <laughs> he's a real rock star. Most importantly, he's a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. And he is here to share his story. He was supposed to be here back in 2020, but then something happened. But as we say at Cathedral, delays are not denials. He's here with us today. What an amazing service we had, first service. I hope your heart is open, ready to receive what God has for you today. I invite you to stand with me, please. And I want us to give a great big San Jose Cathedral of Faith welcome to Brian Welch. Welcome, Brian. Good morning, San Jose. <laughs> oh, Brian, what a blessing it is to have you here, man. We've been looking forward to this. I'm excited. Yeah. A shout out to Zuckerberg in the back. To, <laughs> That's right. Mark Zuckerberg, everybody. <laughs> Just in case he's tuning in. Um, well, he's tuning into the right service to hear from you because... Uh, Again, your story is, is really an amazing journey of how the grace of God meets us where we're at and then gets us to where we need to be. And um, maybe we can start, Brian, by talking about, you know, you're always like finding out when did that dream get a hold of your heart, like to become a, a guitarist or musician? When did that happen? Back when I was a kid, there was this little box. And in that box, you inserted it into a little thing and it played music kids <laughs> or there was this frisbee thing and you put it on and it spins now, vinyl's getting popular again but i remember it was an eight track uh, tape eight track, of before yeah. cassettes or cassettes were just coming out of queen another one bites the dust <laughs> that was it and uh that uh, that was one of their biggest albums and so I heard the drums, the drums were just thundering and I, I wanted to play drums. My dad talked me into playing guitar because, you know, less noise. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> so I learned acoustic first. I learned Mary Had a Little Lamb, all these stupid songs. My mom's like, you better show that you are dedicated before you get an electric. So I showed myself, you know, and then got the guitar and that was it, the electric, and that was it. it was, I would stare at ACDC's album, Back in Black, with Angus Young, the guitar player, just like, <laughs> and sweat going everywhere, and saliva, and I'm just like, oh, I want to do that. <laughs> I want to be that guy. Just bang my head and get paid for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so when you were just a young guy then, it, it kind of got a hold of your heart, and then... Um, you know, I, I read somewhere that you, uh, growing up, though, uh, there were challenges that, I mean, a lot of people know what it is to get bullied, especially with all the online stuff anymore. Oh, right. And, and as a kid, you got bullied a bit, too. Yeah. Yep. And, and um, I was telling earlier, like, my, my nickname is Head, and it's because my head went through puberty before my body, and it grew. <laughs> and, and everyone's like, dang, your head is big. And they would bully me, and and make fun of me, and my, my friends grew up, and they got bigger way before me, you know? I was yeah. that guy with the high voice, and, and everybody's like, I'm looking up at him. 
And so, yeah, I got, I was a runt, mm. you know, but my music was my thing. Mm. And even the bullies respected my, my, my talent because I was playing ACDC songs 10, 11, 12 years old. Wow. And they'd be come to my house and be like, hey, you punk, play that Van Halen tune. <laughs> you know? <laughs> even my brother, yeah, my brother was, I was whole, all heavy metal. My brother was New Wave. He had that, that hair, you know, like <laughs> flock of seagulls. <laughs> and he'd be like, you're a dirthead rocker, you scumbag rocker. And then he'd tell me, like, play that Van Halen solo for my friends. So he was proud of me, too. Yeah. <laughs> that was my thing. It was like I got bullied. I went through, like, some sadness, yeah. depression and stuff. But my guitar was my superpower. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so that... Uh... That got you through that season. Now, when you, you, uh, you formed the band, and, um, and then you guys became a massive success. But talk about how the band formed, because a lot of the guys uh, you grew up with, right? Yeah, yeah. I met the singer. He was in third grade. I was in fourth. He, he was kind of, his, his, his uh, family was kind of famous because there's three record stores in Bakersfield. Anybody for Baco? Anybody? Yeah? One? One. <laughs> You made it out, sister. <laughs> That's the Lord. <laughs> now, the only thing you got to resist the temptation to be sucked back. <laughs> Just when I thought. And uh, so uh, Rick Davis music, Stockdale music, and, and uh, Front Porch music. And Rick Davis was Jonathan Davis's dad. So it was pretty cool. Um, and then I met the bass player, seventh grade, the other guitar player, ninth grade, the drummer, 10th grade. So we, like, you know, we start these little cheesy bands, like Motley Crue type bands, you know, and then break up after one show, get some other guys, you know, but so it was, it was that type of thing. But we ended, our whole goal was to leave the armpit of California, Bakersfield, go to L.A. and try to make it when we were of age, you know, and that's what we did. Yeah. And, you know, we got, we got signed and... It was crazy to see how it happened. It, it, it happened kind of quick. We developed a sound that had these seven-string guitars that this guy Steve I invented, and they were kind of going, they were gonna go off the market because they weren't selling. But our band, we took these guitars and we, we created a sound, mm. and, which was just crazy. That's a, that's a God thing in itself, you know? And uh, yeah, it was messy. Yeah, we, weren't, we were living antichrist, but I believe God, you know, God had a purpose in it. Yeah, 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 how God's at work. Um, God's always at work. Uh, when, and, and the band did become a massive success. I mean, you guys were, uh, well, you hit the top of the billboard charts. I mean, you were beating out like Celine Dion and uh, yeah. Dr. Dre, was it? Yeah, yep. so yeah. I mean, how, we what, met all those guys too, because we grew up NWA exploded, and we were just so our generation was like when it it was everybody was real, you yeah. know. NWA came out, yeah, it was crazy, but it's like that's really happening in the streets, and there was, and then we were we came out, we we're talking about real stuff, child abuse, and and our singers like emotional on songs, screaming why, and crying mm. on some songs, you yeah. know, and captured on the recording. So it was a, we were the generation that it was just like. It was real, yeah. you know, and, uh, and so, yeah, we got to meet all those guys. I sat behind um, Dre and Eminem, the yeah. first at the MTV Awards. Like, they were right there and, uh, and hmm. walked in with J-Lo and all them, you know. So it was like, it was surreal that we were 
because we were a darker band. You know, we, we were we had subjects that were just intense. Yeah. And all these were like m more mainstream, you know, especially the Britney Spears, Backstreet Boys, In Sync, and and all that. You know, it was just like, how do we mm. get? How did we get that much exposure? Yeah. I don't know, but it, it was it was a crazy ride. Yeah, something about the the message. Um, resonated with the pain in people's yeah. lives. I think. It was, and you know, like corn. People say about corn, whatever, but like we we helped a lot of people from with with their mental health. Yeah, like like Lincoln Park did as well, and uh, and and I've had countless people say I was going to end my life, you know, just listen to corn, and 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 they show me their kids, man. I want to thank you because I have all this now, but you guys helped me get through. Wow. You know, it's really powerful. We're one of, wow. yeah. Yeah, yeah, how God was at work. Now, now Brian, you hit, uh, again, you had everything. You had, you had fame, you had popularity, you had money, a success. Um, but yet there was still something missing. How would you describe that? I feel like the fame and the money was like a, was like a friend that slowly started to betray, betray you. Mm. You know, you come in, and you start a relationship and you're and everything's good and you're and you're growing together going through life and then starts to turn on you slowly and and you start to feel empty and then next thing you know a backstabber you know mm. and it was just it, it was my journey for life to discover what is the meaning yeah. of life why am i here and being on south park was pretty awesome <laughs> it was fun and i remember during that time we got this huge check of 25 million bucks and and uh it was like you know taxes so it, it dwindles down but <laughs> five band members taxes but it was just like surreal money yeah. and i remember me and my wife got in a fight and, and she was like she was physical because she came from a, a family that was just you know there was abuse and stuff and so she she felt like more com more comfortable like punching me instead of yelling at me you know and so i remember just feeling like we're on south park our new records coming out mtv's just like whatever that whatever we put out they're gonna play radio everything and just at home it mm. just was a mess and um and uh, yeah i was struggling that yeah. it just brought more depression and more like uh bless you and more, um, more, um, what do you call that? That just uncertainty with life. Yeah. Okay. You know, I just yeah. wanted, I wanted to feel satisfied, and I and I, I could never feel satisfied. Yeah. And that friend, fame and money, ooh, it 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 started to backstab me pretty bad. Yeah. And, you know, touring is not what people think it is. It's like not as glamorous, except the hotels are glamorous and the tour buses are pretty awesome. But everything else, it's like you are, it's like you're in a carnival, you know, and you're just, you're going city to city. Mm. The only time that you have that, that feels, you feel something special is the connection with the fans on the show. The rest of the time, it's like you're trying to, trying to just occupy that time. And that's mm. why drugs, I think, and, and okay. drug sex, rock and roll, the whole thing yeah. is because there's nothing else to do and you're bored, you know. Yeah. If, if you don't have God, like for me, I'm satisfied and I'm not filled and I don't need any of that stuff. But... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. when you're young and you're dumb, that's like that's that's the whole thing. Yeah, it's like well, and God is so kind because 
He lets us go on this journey in life and go discover all of these things that we want. We can do all the good and bad we want. And he's so kind and he's just, it's like when an 18-year-old kid goes off and does their own thing, you know, a parent can't control them anymore and God yeah, just lets right. us go. And then when we're done, he's like, are you done yet? Are you, do you want, do you want to discover what really matters, you know? And he's yeah. right there for us, right? Yeah. Well, he, when we're ready, he's right there for us. That's, that's a great encouraging word. Um, what, uh, no, so Brian, you mentioned, as far as like addiction uh, at some point, mentioned the drugs and stuff. How, when did addiction come into play? And then how did that, how did that interact with the depression? Because a lot of times those things go hand in hand. Uh, and then how did it sort of take over, impact your life? I think the first time I cracked that beer and drank that, I was like, I'm addicted. You guys know. I mean, I can't drink no more, but it's like you crack that cold beer and I'm like 14 or something. It's funny. Not funny, but it's kind of sad. Actually, I tried pot when I was like eight years old. I was, yeah, right? Eight. You just think of an eight-year-old. It's because the teenagers smoked it and they left roaches and we wanted to be like them, you know. And I don't, I don't think I knew how to inhale or nothing, so I didn't get high till I was a teenager, but I tried it at eight, and I didn't like pot. I tried it again around 12, and I didn't like it. You know, I tried, I remember smoking some in my, my, my parents' backyard, um, and I looked at the clock, and I was like, okay, I gotta, as long as I'm not high when my parents get home. I looked at the clock, it was 2 p.m., and I sat there, and I was like, and I looked at the clock, it was 5.30. And I sat there, and it felt like five minutes, and I was like, this sucks. I don't like this. <laughs> right. I just lost three hours of my life. Right, yeah. So, but when I started alcohol, I started drinking, it was like, I felt, I felt that. And I come from a family of alcoholics, you know, on my dad's side, especially. And mm -hmm. so that was my thing when I felt that. And it, and it made me feel like, what what they say? Liquid courage, right? And it made me feel like just somebody, like I was somebody else. And so wow, this is awesome. I need to do this every day. Yeah. And that's what I did. And then, um, you know, not in high school. I, I would save it for the weekends, but it ruined my relationships. It ruined a lot of stuff in my life, but mm. I kept doing it. And then when I graduated high school, when I moved on my own, it was pretty much drinking every day. And then I get a career where you're like, get free alcohol. It was it was not good, yeah. but it was, it was good in some ways and not good. My liver was not happy, I don't think. Yeah, right. Well, and then, and then that led to uh, medications, other kinds of drugs that, that really got... Yeah, I was actually... Um, yeah, I found depression a lot. I tried to find help through doctors and whatnot, and I ended up going to... Um, a couple of us in the band went, and we had Kurt Cobain's doctor in or a psychiatrist in LA and just like, you know, they can't even help you all the time. You know, they yeah, do right. sometimes, you know, but look what happened to Kurt Cobain and even the psychiatrist partner in his practice committed suicide. So I'm like, these guys are supposed to have the answers and his partner, right? Yeah. And it's sad. It was sad. It was like, it was hopeless. I, I honestly felt hopeless and I got on, uh, I started Celexa, um, a non-narcotic, um, but pills a whole story. You know, yeah. I, I got a root canal in I don't know, around 2003, and I took you know the pain pills of Viking. I was like, oh, those those are nice. Yeah, nice. they're really nice. 
So I call up my manager, whoever, and I have a bottle of 200 Vicodin. You know, that's how easy it was to get that stuff. Yeah. It was like one trap after another I kept falling into. Yeah. But it was like, I, I want to say I asked the Lord in my heart when I was 12. I didn't really do anything with it. I didn't know how real it was, but, but he, was, he was with me the whole time. It's all about the indwelling God. And when you ask him to come in, he comes in and he doesn't, he doesn't leave. He's very faithful. So I believe I, he, he was with me the, the whole time doing all that stuff. And yeah. I was feeling, yeah, I was feeling the weight of the sins. I was feeling the weight of all the, the dep depravity and, and, and just the way I was living. And he was calling me with the depression. He was calling me like, you know, this isn't. Yeah. What, what good parent would let you go and do horrible things, you know, and, and celebrate you? No, they're like, yeah, they love you, but they're like, he was letting me feel the weight of my actions. Mm. Yeah. And so eventually, well, it was crystal meth. And then, but you hit a turning point. So what was the turning point for you, Brian? I think it was, uh, it was when I was getting suicidal ideation pretty bad, you know, because I started getting these lies in my head saying, you know, my daughter's better off without me. And she's the only one. She's this little, beautiful little girl. She looked like Shirley Temple running around these little ringlets. And she just was like so pure. And I was the opposite. I was complete. I was, I was in the gutter, like the prodigal. I was living with the pigs. You know, just everything that you could think of. When her mom, like I got full custody of my daughter. And her mom left us in the most crazy way. She was broken, and I don't blame her. And she passed away two years ago. But she was just... She, she got these guys that came in and lied to her and put, put these thoughts in her head and they brainwashed her and they moved into my house. I was on tour with Metallica on the stadium summer sanitarium tour, System of a Down, Corn, Metallica, and a couple other bands. And, and I got a phone call from, from my friend that owned a pawn shop and these skinheads were trying to hawk my thing. So I, I, I sent my friend to my house he grabbed it, he borrowed a gun from another friend and went to the house, not even thinking of what could happen. And thank God they were gone. And there was a babysitter with, the, with my daughter. I took her, I went home and I grabbed my daughter, I took her on the road, changed my lock so nobody could get in. My wife uh, got, I ended up getting full custody because she was just brainwashed on meth with these guys. And, and uh, I, I, I got to this point because we had some friends that were in the, the Crips you know, gang in, yeah. in L.A., and I, I had this conversation with someone, like, what, would, what it would cost to, to, like, get rid of this guy that brainwashed my wife, you know? I had, and I don't think I would have gone through with it, but just being in that state, right? Yeah. My heart committed murder. Yeah. Oh, I wanted him dead so yeah. bad, you know? But I didn't want a target on my back or my daughter's back or whatnot. So it got yeah. really, it got really bad. I got through that, thank God. And I tried to get sober to, so I could be a responsible father, and it just didn't, didn't work, you know. But what changed was my suicidal ideation. And after going to reha rehabs and trying that, as a last resort, I was like, I'll try this church stuff, man. <laughs> and then that's how, yeah. Uh. And that's how kind, that's how kind God is. God could be anybody in this universe. And he's kind, and he, he waits. You, he can be your last resort. And he could, he could be like, you're an idiot. You went off and did your own thing all this time. No. Yeah. No, it's too late. Like, I gave you so many chances. Mm. 
but he's just like, finally. Read the prodigal son story, that's you guys. Right. If you don't read the Bible, Google it. Prodigal son story. It's, that's who God is. He's like, right. he meets you right in your gutter. That's right, yeah. And this guy who went out partying with prostitutes, living with pigs and whatever, he comes back and he says, I'm so sorry for the way I've been living. And the God, the God in the story, the father in the story doesn't even acknowledge what he did. He just says, come give me a, a big embrace, you know? He's like, you're home. You were dead, now you're alive. And that's it. That's what he did for me. Yeah. And I couldn't understand it, because I was like, I was, I was the biggest porno site. Like, I had my credit card on all those sites, and I was living like, Horrible, you know, just the, the drugs. I had dealers that had different types of meth, the crystal. I had eight balls in my safe. I had eight balls hidden in first aid kits. Mm. I was like, I was dark, you know, and he just embraces me and mm. changes me, you know. Amen. Crazy. Yeah. yeah. She had two friends that invited you to church. Yeah. You surrendered your life to Christ, and that started a journey. And can you talk about, from that point on, sort of the journey from addiction to freedom that you yeah. had? Yeah. I remember I uh, had these, you know, we, have, we all have a God in our life. We all have a master that we're serving, right? And I had a few. Drugs, alcohol, sex, and money. Money was one of my gods, masters that I was serving. And there's nothing wrong with money, but it fits first, yeah. You know, if it has like the love of money is at the root of all yeah. evil, the Bible says. So I but but God is so kind. He uses my false God even to get me to him. These guys that I was doing real estate with were actually Christians, but they were cool Christians. Like I thought Christians were like Ned Flanders. Those the ones you want to choke, you know, <laughs> they're just ew, I like Homer. I don't like <laughs> Ned Flanders. And so, yeah. So these guys that, that I was friends with, they were Christians, but this one guy, he built monster trucks. And he, I bought a Hummer off of him that was raised like 14 inches, and it was amazing. He would win all, of, all the car shows. He was a Christian. And the broker that bought, found us land was Christian. They invited me to go to church. I, I made fun of them for like three months. Like, I ain't going to your church, man. And then next thing you know, inside, I'm like, it's all an act. I'm trying to play tough. And I'm like crying inside and wanting to die. So I was like, I went to church with him one night or one morning. I was up all night doing crystal meth and I was just an addict. And I went to the church and the pastor that spoke was so cool. He used to be an alcoholic and he was very open with it. Mm. And he said that the Lord changed his life. And so I started to like started to believe and get faith that there's a supernatural ability to this. That it's not just the pastor up there speaking and he's the man of God, and you go to him, and he's going to fix you. He's talking about this Christ that mm. come, you go to him yourself, and that he comes to live inside of you, and he, you, 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 yeah. you are placed inside of him, and he's inside of you, and that's a supernatural thing that happens. And so I started to get, yeah, it was weird at first, because I saw people, like, raising hands and stuff, and I'm like, that's weird, <laughs> you know? And and but 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 I, I could see like at that church there was the ex gang members ex prostitutes and it was like I was sketched out there there was some rough looking people and I was like man if they 
they can't be brainwashed. I got to try this. So I went home and started praying after I received Christ Mm. at the church. That's what matters. It's what you do after you leave is what matters. You can come to the altar. You know, yeah, you could shed your tears at the altar and all that. But if you don't go home and start developing a relationship with Christ who died for you to start a relationship with God, then you're missing the whole point, you know? Yeah. And then come back to church to get filled up. But to, to read and study the Bible, not... I used to think that this tells you what not to do. It, oh, you're going to steal all my fun in life. When I started reading it, I realized it showed, it, it's telling you who you are. That's right. Everything that God has made you is in that book. And it's just like, it's, it's, it's almost too good to be true. It says, it tells you that you're one with Christ and that you're a co-heir with yeah. Christ. And that everything he has, he's going to give to you. And he starts to give it here. And eternal life isn't, we made death our savior. It's like we get eternal life when we die. And yes, that's a, we'll get the big picture. But eternal life starts now. Eternal life yeah, is to know that's God. Right. That's right. Yeah. It's a supernatural reality that is, that is very real, you know. It's, you, you said it. It's been 20 years for me. Almost 20 yeah, years. Yeah. If it wasn't real, I would have been long gone. I would have been like, oh, yeah, that was cool for one point, you know. The Christians helped me get sober, and that was cool, but, you know, that's, let them do that. No, this is living, living. This is a living and active relationship, and it's 20 years, and I, I'm still strong as ever. Yeah. Right. You know what some of the people said? Oh, it'll, it'll wear off. You're just a new believer. I'm like... I don't want your God then. Right. I want, I, want a, I want this excitement and passion. I want to be like 80 years old with white dreadlocks looking like Gandalf. <laughs> <laughs> and I want, people, I want people to see Christ coming through my eyes and my smile at yeah. 80 years old. And just yeah. like... That's great. Because yeah. oh. you know what they say. And I see it in you too. I see the scripture in you. Like... Because it says all of us are outside. We are, I don't care if you're 10 or 7 years old. Outside we are wasting away. But inside we're being renewed or made young day by day yeah. by day. Yeah. I see the childlikeness in yeah. you. That, and you've, you've known the Lord for a long time, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. you just have so much joy and, oh. and, and kindness and stuff. I want to be like that but looking like Gandalf. <laughs> I love it, Brian. Oh, you know, Brian, that's so inspiring uh, because once you find, I love what you say about the scriptures. You know, it's only in knowing God that you come to know who you are and then your purpose and all of that flows out of that connection with God. Um, I know in the Christian journey, it, it, you know, there can be ups and downs. And so maybe there are folks here who they're in one of those valleys. And I don't know if there were times you felt like giving up, whether it was your battle with sobriety or with depression. Um, But if there were times that you felt like giving up, uh, what did you do that kind of helped you through that? And what would you say to those who might be in that same place right now? Oh, so I I said earlier at the last service that for the first year, there's a scripture that, Paul says in the Bible, it says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. And that was like my first year with Christ. I was like, I want to know you. And I was, 
experiencing him and, and that power of the resurrection got me off of drugs and helped me, like thrust me into this new life. But then the second part of that verse is, and I want to know the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. Ooh. And that, if you think about Christ, he, he gave his life for people to heal them and to serve them. And then he died on a cross and got tortured. And, you know, we're not going to get tortured, hopefully. <laughs> but, like, to get healed, we have to go through pain. Yeah. And that fallen right. nature, like I was saying it earlier, some of my tech guys really liked it. But it's like we're a hard drive. Picture yourself like a hard drive. In the first half of my life, I was putting all of these corrupt things on my hard drive, these corrupt files, and the Lord had to clean the hard drive. And one of the names for God is the great physician. Hmm. Yeah. And yeah. so what is, what is like a, a physician has to sometimes cut you in order to heal you from That's surgery right. and everything? Yeah. Sometimes we have to get cut in our souls and our minds and our emotions to get to that place where Christ gets developed in us and we have to get purged purged you know yeah 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 and that's painful look at them clapping for the pain <laughs> but even that makes it more exciting because it's real because the lord said you're gonna suffer and then when you suffer you're like oh my gosh it sucks but it's real you said it and i'm actually in the god's will and purpose yeah. because He's not deconstructing anything in your life in, unless he's going to rebuild. That's right. That's the only way. Yeah. The only reason. He's not doing it to hurt you. He's doing it to, to, to tear down the old structure of the house so that he can rebuild a mansion. That's awesome, right? man. That's it's right. It's true. So it was hard. Yeah. And I'm not going to lie and tell you that it's not hard, but I'm going to tell you it's real. It's very, you guys know it. I know, I see a lot of your face. You know it. It's very real walk with Christ. And uh, you just got to believe. I just, I, I love this scripture. Um, I was reading it earlier, the book of Hebrews. It says that without faith, it's impossible to please mm. God. He, and anyone that comes to him must believe that he exists and that he's a rewarder. So first, you, you open yourself up. Yeah, it may be crazy at first, but you believe. I'm going to believe that you exist, God. And then the second thing you have to believe, that you reward me. You're a rewarder of those who dil diligently seek after you. So I'm going to believe that you're going to reward me. And then he starts to reward you in all kinds of different yeah. ways. So the, the pain was five, about five years okay. off and on. It yeah. was about 50-50. 50% I'm cussing at God. Have you ever cussed at God in prayer? <laughs> Moving on. I, 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 I cannot answer that, Senator. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so I had those bad prayers where I'm just like, why? Why does it take so long to change, you know? And then 50%, I'm like, the other 50% is awesome. And I'm just like, it's like, Mountaintop Valley. Yeah, Mountaintop. Sure. That was about five years until about 2012. I looked back about six months and I was like, well, I, haven't, I haven't had any rage. Mm. The, the depression has been very mild yeah. and I changed. And it wasn't like some miraculous like, thing. It was just I was different. Yeah. And so now I'm level. Yeah. And I do have battles in life and everything, sure. but I'm so strong. Yeah. yeah. Praise God. Wow. Yeah. It's like... 
God allows, I'll just say this, yeah, and then yeah. God allows you, like our circumstances to cut, to cut in our lives, and then we bleed out all the, the horrible like, characteristics that we have, right? And then one day, after all the cuts, circumstances keep cutting us, then we start bleeding out Christ and his nature. Mm. And, then, and then the preparation is done, or, or most, a lot of it, you yeah. know, not all of it. It's going to happen until I'm looking like Gandalf, but, <laughs> yeah. but, but like for, for a long time it yeah. was like intense because I, I wanted him to do a great, a, uh, a good work in me quick, you know? Yeah. So five years, not that quick, but in his mind, probably quick. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's that. Thank you for sharing that journey. I, that's such an encouraging word. Thank you. God will take our pain, make it productive. And uh, in just a moment, Brian's going to play. Actually, I have my dad's guitar over here. Our founding pastor. I think so. A 1965 Fender guitar. Brian's going to play it. Pastor Vaughn's going to sing. And uh, before they do that, though. I wanna, um, I wanna invite you to bow your heads with me for just a moment. You've heard Brian's story about how Jesus can make a night and day difference in your life, and, and maybe this weekend you'd say, I know about Jesus, I've heard about Jesus, but just being real, I've never stepped across the line. Every journey starts with a step. I've never stepped across the line and become a follower of Jesus, surrendered my life to Jesus. Today can be your day. You can begin that journey with God through Jesus Christ. And if you're making that decision, I want to agree with you that this is your moment, this is your day. So wherever you're at, if you slip up your hand and say, today I'm becoming a follower of Jesus, just lift up your hand real high all over the audience. God bless you. God bless you. Up in the balcony, out in the amphitheater, those in the drive-in, those who are watching at home, God sees your heart. He sees your hands. I'd like to say a prayer with you and for you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much for loving us like you do, for never giving up on us. And God, we put today our trust and confidence in Jesus Christ. We surrender our lives to him. And we know that all heaven throws a party when we come back into relationship with God. So there's a great celebration going on right now. I pray, Lord, not only for those who are surrendering their lives to you, but for all those who are battling addiction, battling depression or anxiety, those uh, who have family members that are battling those things. God, I pray if they feel like giving up, I pray that you would infuse them with, with courage, with strength, with grace to take life one day at a time, to know that your word is true, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in us will see it through to completion. We believe that, we declare it, we own it today. In Jesus' name, for Jesus' glory, and all God's people said, amen. amen. Can we give God praise, amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We love you, God. Um, Brian and Vaughn are going to come and they're going to do the song Reckless Love and, and Brian uh, the mic might be gone let me just borrow this for a second tell me for a moment I know Reckless Love has a special meaning for you why is it so meaningful you know uh, I asked Christ in my heart when I was 12 and I went and off and did 
whatever I wanted, good and bad, like I told you. And this song speaks about how there's no mountain he won't climb up, you know, and, and just coming after us. He will, he will do anything and everything to come after us. And he's always there. He's so faithful. He's never, he's never, he's never done coming after us. It's like you think that you, that you, you, you've, you've done the worst sin. Well, there's a guy named Paul in the Bible who was persecuting Christians to their death. And he chose him and he changed him. I'm sure you're not out there killing Christians. So there's, there's like, you got a chance. That's right. And that's what this song means to me. That's it's right. just like God never quits going after us. That's awesome, Brian. Thank you. Yeah. 
shadow you won't light up Mountain you won't climb up Coming after me There's no wall you won't kick down Lie you won't tear down Coming after me There's no shadow you won't light up Mountain you won't climb up Coming after me grateful here today you have been so so good to me thank you Jesus when I felt no worth you paid it all for me all else you did God you have been so so kind to me Hallelujah. That was so powerful. Would you let Brian Welch know how much you appreciate him being with us today? Oh, wow. Boy, God is good. And all the time. Again, thanks so much for being here. Just a couple quick things before I dismiss you. If you need prayer, our team will be down here to pray with you and for you right after service. And then we hope we can, you can join with us next week as we start this series with 150 churches around the Bay Area on exploring God. And 
One more time, I want, Brian has to leave. His dad turns 85 today in Bakersfield. So he has to leave right after service to drive back to Bakersfield. But would you let him know one more time how much you appreciate him creating space? That was awesome. The reckless love of God. Amen. I love you, Cathedral. Let me speak God's blessing over you as you go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine brightly upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you and give you his peace. And every day this week, may you experience the never-ending, reckless love of God in your life. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. All God's people said, amen. God bless you as you go.